Welcome back. Uh, this is going to be another episode of the LGL OU podcast. You will notice that it's not Lexi handing over the reins of the uh, the hosting today. It's me, because of course Lexi is over on the NRC Div Two cast today. Yes. So if you have any spare time, uh, of course this won't be relevant to anyone listening towards the future. In that case, you can just congratulate him. But if you have some time, please go uh, go watch over there because Lexi is really cool and we like him a lot. You know who else we really like? We like Melvinizzle, who's joining us here for this podcast. Uh, special guest, obviously, I've been a big part of our team for the last split and a bit. Melvinizzle, how is it going? Pretty good, pretty good, honestly. Uh, last week I was on that Div 2 broadcast, so I'm very glad to get to see Lexi go over to that one. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We're yes, there you go. doing the gradual LGL takeover, you know, give it a couple more weeks. It's like, starts to away, the man. Like, this is public. Come on, man, what are you doing? You're giving <laughs> away the magic was- plan. There was a great meme that Hina put in our Discord, actually, which was like this, like puppeteer of like puppeteer of LGL or under, oh, oh, like puppeteering the NLC, which is puppeteering the LEC. It's like this giant chain of power going down. I'm happy at that we, trickle we, down we, effect. We, we are actually <laughs> Illuminati. We've got like um, like Dan Brown is writing a book about us as I'm speaking. Crazy. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, for those of you who are not aware of our current proceedings, this is episode three of season three of the LGL uh, unofficial podcast. We've been doing this for over two years now, which is a very strange thought, but we cover all things LGL uh, related. We're not affiliated to uh, to, um, to, to write games in any of their branches. We're just a load of fans which really enjoy things. Uh, so if you do appreciate our content, uh, please give us a like, a comment, a subscribe and everything. Uh, but with all that, all our regular screens together. And like, send us DMs saying how great we are. Just like really, that one. really yeah. invest. Like, yeah, like, just just really on, big up our egos right? because yeah. yeah, if you can't give us money, give us like some real like big up to the ego because that's actually how we, we yeah, sustain ourselves. Like, We're actually like really weird demonic beings that live through like emotional attachment to our views. I am clearly angelic. Have you seen this face? Um, I have, and that's why I said demonic. Okay, <laughs> anyway. I, I am, I'm... <laughs> I, I did cut because you, friends. so you can tell I'm not as used to hosting this because I actually completely skipped over both myself and Sam's introductions, which I normally do. Sam, how are you doing? How are things? I'm doing really well, mate. Thank you very Good. much. Good. Uh, I've been doing a lot of writing this week, so that's, that's what I've been doing at the minute. <laughs> looking forward to doing some uh, Warhammer 3 content today. Oh, true. Well. That's going to be a great game. Switch out from uh, from the usual stuff. So yeah, pretty pretty good. Uh, not on NLC this week, so I've got a lot of time to do other stuff, which is great. Haha, <laughs> I've been doing like four broadcast days a week for a long time, so I Oh, um... woe is you, oh, L-E-C guest. Oh, <laughs> also, oh, oh poor thing. No, I'm like, I have to say, like, it's been a really cool experience. Obviously, like last weekend was one of the greatest in my life. Quickshot is incredible, and I love the guy to bits, and he made my job very, very easy, and I really love that weekend. But I'm also kind of looking forward to a break after like another week or so because I've if being running running myself dry on three leagues has been quite crazy. But of course, the first of those leagues which I started on was the LGL. We've had our first two games of play. We've had um, for each team. We've had day one and day two. So we should probably get into that. If we look over the standing, that's probably a best way to go look at things because uh, with the amount of games that we've played, we're not exactly going to have a time to uh, dive into absolutely everything. Um, yeah, I guess, Melvinizzle, as you haven't cast any of the games yet, uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on this because this will be actually my first time uh, hearing your thoughts in the first couple of games of play. Any big takeaways from yourself? Um, other than 
I think that there's something magical about Axis managing to do it again. Yes. <laughs> That's really like the team for me that yeah. I know I'm the big single. Again, person, it's three but... years in a row. Uh, I, I'm loving what I'm seeing. They are just doing so good. Can you name a more iconic duo than Axis and having killer jungle ADCs that just carry the game? I am absolutely loving what I'm it's seeing crazy. out of this squad so far. <laughs> and the thing is, you can look at them and then look at the other two that are sharing that top spot, but Axis, I would say the fact that they beat Hawks, that I know we're going to go and talk about a bit later on, mm. We that are. is a pretty yes. good strength for schedule. Like, yeah, I know that V3, everybody's been pretty down on them, and I think that I'm probably on a similar situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Still very impressive for the first game to kick things off. So, um, obviously, for audio listeners, uh, Axis went 2-0. and oh. They beat the Hawks, and they beat V3. So, the Hawks were a team that, if you haven't listened to previous episodes, uh, are somewhat of a super team. Blank has come back to the region. We expected him to do uh, well. Quick reminder, though, for those of you who've been a well, I mean, for those of you who've been a bit, bit been around a bit longer, you will remember what happened in the start of 2020 in that Sengoku lineup with Blank and Pyrian. I think they went zero and three in their first three games. I think they got a one-one in week two, something like that. They struggled for a while. It took until week four for them to really turn on. That was the last Blank team that we saw um, in the LGL. In the summer, of course, they ended up being a lot stronger. But it, either way, uh, the Hawks have maybe fallen low of expectations already uh, and let's just kind of put a put a bit more structure to this because we have the standings right there i'd like to stay on them sam i'm gonna throw it to you this is something which yeah. i'm stealing from jayreel who did a great job hosting for us uh, debuting with us on the lglou so congrats over to him as well um mm. mess or impress i want you to pick one team that's really impressed you and one team that you just think is not far away so so obviously we we called out you know access to the obvious mm. choice and, that, and we'll talk more about that later but the other team i really need to touch on is burning core holy moly this team have impressed me um two very different looks from this team in the two different games i mean you've got a darius and a was darius trindamir solar lanes in the second game if i recall correctly and yes, in the first game it was well, like, they flexed like, the they, trindamir they, mid yeah absolutely they had they had the game where ray fuck got on the jacks flawless on the on the diana and you've got this duo of flawless mm. and dice who've been brought in as a kind of replacement for you know their former superstar korean jungler and once coming in they've got this guy flawless who was another veteran lck jungler who was once considered a pretty stellar up-and-coming talent himself he's alongside dice who was uh, uh his academy mid laner alongside them and they've been phenomenal oh, also worth noting has been great also worth noting that they brought in fujimoto as a support as well now i'm always going to be sad that proud retired on the note that he did because i felt like proud was one of the best members of that um burning call legacy mm -hmm. um even though the last year was so bad the year before that i mean proud was one of the most exciting players to watch in the LGL, especially from that support role. Fujimoto was substitute slash academy support for DFM. And he's done really well. I think particularly his Tom Kench game uh, very much impressed me when I saw that. I'm trying to... Because Burning Core versus... He played, he played, he played Tom Kench in both. He talking about the... Yes. Game, oh, yeah, yeah. CGA against, yeah, yeah. Second one, yeah. So that would have been the one which I, I saw yeah. on the, like live because I couldn't I couldn't catch all the day one live. Yes. But, um, okay, so that's obviously um, your impressive one, Sam. You, you, got, you got a team that you want to slam on a yeah. bit? Yeah. <laughs> Sure, I mean, so give me one more second to, to rate about, rave about Flawless, yeah. and I'll move on to who didn't impress me. Um, in the sense that um, Flawless went Diana, then Karthus, and 
chef's kiss. Like I was, my 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 thinking was before this split that if Burning Core were going to succeed, it would be mm. on the back of their mid jungle being really good, and they've come in and looked superb. Ray Fargi looks back to the form. Yuhi didn't even look that bad. I'm so excited for this team. I could be burnt yet. Yeah, we'll find out. But the team who didn't impress me as much, um, uh, I'll call out probably CGA, who I was expecting to be i wasn't expecting to be great but they they've not that, even yeah. looked yeah like like there's, there's me there's, i granted it's first week and things haven't clicked yet but cassin's definitely not looked as good without nation to back up his over aggression nap hasn't been able to play safe in the way we've generally consisted of it even nemo on things like his prize thresh got a little bit done in versus saying goku 064 is not what you want to see um happy melvinistle noises yeah, <laughs> yeah i have so, to watch nemo suffer in the process so it's you know, silver linings yeah so I, I i've been considering i wasn't expecting them to, to be necessarily great this was a step below even that which is disappointing yeah melvinus you got any thoughts on cj as well just chiming in on that i mean obviously you've talked about axes like the, the the impressed team if you want to tag him with cj and if you've got another team that's like you want to dump on a bit obviously go into that after but cj is probably a team we can delve into a little bit more in this case so I saw that we were going to do the uh, impress segment and I was like, okay, nice. I'm obviously impressed of Axis. But then on the mm. other end, I was really struggling to find out who I actually would mm. call a mess because talked about the Hawks. I kind of get why they were down here right now. Axis really took sure. them off guard. And then the second game, Rascal Jester, pretty solid fight overall. And Dasher still looked clean. I was fine with that. So I'm not going to say they're a mess. V3, again, low expectations. The biggest part of them that seemed a mess would be the fact that there was a bit of a lack of team synergy, not very much cohesion yeah. for a squad that really should be above and beyond for that, as I believe, outside of Rascal Jester, the one with the most members that are staying together, obviously not on the original roster, but nonetheless. Um, so that does just leave CGA, which I decided to not have expectations for coming into this split, because... <laughs> That's a very sensible idea. Yeah, yeah. like, again... Yeah. I didn't make a tier list, but I definitely would not have put them on it and just done seven teams because this squad last time around, every single time I tried to predict anything with CGA, they just threw it out the window. And losing their most consistent piece in the mid lane, I was like, nope, not going to touch it with a 10 foot yeah. pole. Not so until I see thing, it play, at least. Yeah. First thing, clip that, because that's great. And the second yeah. thing is, like, this is this feels like it's always been the CGA thing. The last time mm. that they were, like, okay, so the first time that they were title contending was when they had Arya, who was actually still going by Luna at that point. That was in 2019 yeah, in summer. 2019, yes. Um, and they finished the round robin in first, I believe. I'm trying to remember if they actually finished what ahead they? of DFM. They no, they the didn't. Arm. No, they, they didn't. In the they, as well. they came no. second or third, yeah. They came second, and, and then, they, yeah. then they got dumped out in the semifinals by V3 because you told me Ashi and Vivid turned like turned mega online and they just kind of dumped them yeah. out. Yeah, and that was like the last time that they were like super title contending. The only other time was River that goes playing with Dignitas now. Yes, as well. that in was the jungle time. Yes, uh, throwback uh, alumni. Yeah, so 2019. So like, I obviously we didn't watch that league as avidly because we weren't broadcasting it at the time. But yes, that was the, the end of that split was pretty crazy. Cause CJ were looking like. 
wow, they could maybe topple DFM. And then it was like, nope. That was the last time it was triple round robin as well. So we return to that now. But then you look towards 2020 summer, which is the other time where I dared to have expectations for this damn team. And they were literally top of the table one week to go with, uh, oh no, they were second uh, just behind V3 with one week to go in the, in the regular season. And they got like 0-2 tiebreaker out of second place to not get into the upper bracket. And they freaking lose in like second round or something to, um, to DFM. They lose yeah. to DFM in the semifinals in, in, in the lower brackets. No, summer 2020 playoffs were nuts. Seriously, were go back fun. and watch they that. It was crazy. <laughs> I mean, the one sad thing was that Sengoku, that, that they, they fell apart from the Juggernaut match um, because... Yeah, why wouldn't not they? Well, because yeah, why wouldn't they? That, that was... We, we saw the, the worst of Blank when he doesn't play around solo lanes very well and he just yeah. decides to, I'm going to invade. Oh no, my lanes aren't following me. It's, it's, you, know, it's, you, you can make this into a meme, you know, the, the uh, Principal Skinner one. It's like, hmm, oh, yeah, my lanes don't want to come support me. Perhaps they have a point. No, it's the mid laner. The <laughs> as a jungler, as junglers here, myself and Melvin, as we completely agree with that. That's definitely your fault. Um, well, fun, fun tangent for the listeners as well. Um, we were talking about that V3 CGA semi-finals from 2019. That yeah. was mine and Alex's first ever cast together. Was that we got a recording somewhere? Oh, yeah. that one from way back when so there's a little we, ju- we didn't I, even record i don't that. think we just that... sat down on a co- sofa that was just a sat down doing i thought we yeah. did record and they're just awful not no so game one we didn't record did and then games not... two three and four we did record wow there so we you don't go. have because the first they're, game they're not, they're not on public. They're elsewhere. yeah they are they're somewhere bad. on a google drive that's just for the heart yeah, that, yeah. They are and then the finals bad. i remember doing my very first like typical sarcastic zany nightmare bit when a level one went really bad, I'm like, well, that was great, wasn't it? Um, yes. That was some fun times. <laughs> yeah, like, I'll, I'll say I'm significantly better at the yelling at video games yeah. now. But this is obviously <laughs> like an extended bit on how CGA are like, don't trust them. Just just don't trust CGA. It's not worth it. It's not worth your heart. Even with Arya and Co, they were still, uh, they were still a weighted coin. They were still a weighted coin flip. Yeah. And they were very fun, but you could never bet on them. Now they've lost the star power and they're waiting to play late game team fights, but they still can't early lane at all. And I'm really worried about them. Yeah, um, so I'm going to quickly, because we spent a, a bit of time on this segment and this is good to kind of dive into these teams. Um, a team that we haven't talked about and I would like to talk about. And yeah, you know what? I probably am going to go a bit harder than them. I'm going to oh, talk about Rascal Jester. Ooh, I think really? Rascal Jester, I thought they should have come in as the strongest team in the very first week. They have kept together almost everyone on their roster. And they've had two difficult games. Even the win they had was a bit suspect. Uh, and of course, they, they did end up losing one game too to DFM. Um, now, DFM turned up and... Okay, they'd probably be my impress team because they turned up a lot stronger than I thought they would. But I feel like particularly Sol had some very egregious team fighting errors in game two on the Jinx. Like he randomly walked he, into a brush and just like... He did the, the Gango thing. And my heart yeah. got broken by that clip last year. He did exactly Are we talking game thing? one here or game yeah. two? That was game two, I believe, game two. because they still game end two. up winning in the end, but he just sprints into a brush yes, as Jinx legit. all excited. And then just, I, kept I just couldn't bear bombed. it. <laughs> yeah. And it was, yeah, yeah. It was, it was cool. That was exactly what Gengo did. It. It's a failure. Yeah, yeah. I, so, I, I mean, so if, if, if I'm... It's not like a full mess, but Rascal Jester, I pegged them as my, te- like my number one team in my power ranking, and... They looked a bit shaky in the way that they were doing their macro. It wasn't awful, but mainly their team fighting instincts look way off right now. Um, oh. they, they've been carried a little bit by just 
having slightly more cohesion than other teams, but I, like, yeah. uh, I, I will contest slightly. Do it. Yeah. Good content. For, for one reason, the fact that I actually put DFM as my number one team in my power rankings, yeah. because I actually had a lot of hope for Yaharong, and they still had three of the best ever players in a core that has not changed um, when Utapon, Steel, and Ebi. And it turns out they're all quite good at the game still. Steel got to play, you know, like Diana and uh, what was it? Poppy did pretty well on both of them. Mm. Ebi got a hold of the Trindamir, which looks really good for him. The fact he can run towards these kind of hole breaker, bruisery kind of stuff, right? It's yeah. quite good method for him. I actually thought, so I actually thought this game was going to, I half wonder whether DFM would come in and be really, really good again. Turns out they are because they've still got the pull. The game versus the Hawks. Um, while I agree the one misstep from Sol was pretty egregious, and I will agree mm. with you on that. I actually thought outside of that, Sol and Secret actually laned really well in that game, considering that the mid lane fell apart after like, the early 2v2 mm. in the river went very much in Hawk's favor, and Dasher ended up forcing recap back three times and puts him 0-3 in lane because I... of some stuff. I'm going to follow on to that and say that Secret had a killer set game in oh, this yeah. one. They had a massive flank. I think it was like the third or fourth dragon fight, oh, something along yeah. those lines. Phenomenal. Where they were lurking for a good 30 seconds or so. And that's kind of the thing about set support. There's a reason that realistically, globally, only life plays it. Mm. And that's because you need to be so yeah. present in the mid game. You cannot let the tempo stop. Otherwise, oh. you just get relatively outscaled by all the other utility supports. Mm. And... I think that Secret did have an amazing game in that one in particular. And yeah. overall, just to stay on that Rascal Justice uh, Hawks game, I think that this was an amazing draft gap for Rascal Jester Brilliant. for my Brilliant. money. Brilliant. Yeah. And I would say that because of the format we've got of Triple Round Robin with at least one day in between each game day, mm. I think over the split, for my money, Rascal Jester will actually get a lot better because it's going to be very conceptual. If you can think of a good draft that could beat an opposition and it's just slightly in tune with the current patch, then I think those are the teams we're going to see start to succeed yeah. as the weeks go on in the fact that it is okay. a triple round robin. Yeah. So this is the last... Uh, we'll, we'll move on to standing and go on to a deep dive on a couple of games um, after this point. But is there any last thing you want to kind of touch in on the standings uh, before we kind of go a bit deeper into one or two games? Um, Sengoku, Pepe, hands. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about oh, the Hawks we'll in a minute. But like, like, I actually think that while the Hawks' first game was not great, um, I actually think this game against Rascal Jester was more what we expected. So it's partly why I'm not quite as hard on Rascal Jester, yeah. though I understand some of the issues you're calling out. Oh, it's just, I think it's me having high standards. Yeah, it's me no, having no, high that's, standards. That's and it. that's completely rare. That's completely fair. But I would also say that potentially come the end of the split, I'm expecting DFM and Hawks to be top three, easy. Um, so to have kind of gone one on one against those teams early on, I don't think is unexpected. Okay, so uh, that's a really good segue because we have a game about the Hawks, which I really want to dive into a bit more. Now, I could have picked any other game, mm -hmm. but this is for content. And let's be honest, we don't give a fuck about what people want to actually hear about. What they actually want to talk about is actually what the hell is a Smite Poppy top doing it's in a glorious. region? So 15 marks, discuss. <laughs> okay. So con Context before Melvidoza jumps in. To mm -hmm. explain, Yellow Yoshi is a famous Japanese streamer who's been brought in. It's partly why we had some slightly lower expectations of, of Axis, this Axis top lane. In. Yes, because Yellow Yoshi, Axis top laner, the guy you can see at the for the for the listeners out there is the top laner who's coming for Axis, and he is famous for being an insanely good poppy player. 
They let his poppy go through, and it wasn't just any poppy. It was Smite Top Poppy, who basically spent the time playing support poppy and was unreally obnoxious in this game. And it wasn't only that they let the poppy through, but just to jump back to the draft for this game, they actually let it get through to second rotation picks and then pick an Akali into it after already having Jarvan in the jungle. That alone is already enough to shut down the game if you're really good mm. at the poppy, which, funnily enough, they were. The fact that then they opted to go for this smite roaming lane makes so much sense because poppy as a champion has a lot of lanes that they just don't want to be in, especially ones like Akali where they can just jump into the shroud every time they opt for yeah. a trade. That, okay, well, I guess that I just can't do anything on the poppy. I can't be proactive. So the fact that poppy works on low resources, so the smite roaming strategy works in team fights, completely mitigated any attempt from Kanatsu to play the game. 20 minutes onwards, this Akali basically had zero damage in every team fight because it was Ignite Teleport, they couldn't flash past the Poppy's uh, steadfast presence, and every single fight, they found the Akali, they got the root, they knocked them away with the ult, and they just won four and a half versus four fights from Axis. That's all they had to do, and it was really consistent for a pretty much full rookie team. And, like, let's be real. This is a, a... Poppy's steadfast presence is just as good whether she is a support or a or a full farming member of your team. Poppy's charge, the heroic charge, is just as good whether you are farming or not. Poppy's her, uh, keeper's verdict, just as good whether you are farming or not. The only things that really change there are things like cooldowns, but the actual utility of those spells is just as good as they are. And when you actually want to be roaming around to A, make sure that the Kali doesn't get to murder you in lane, and B, then be really obnoxious making Blank's life hell on the Jarvan, it's great, and you can follow up with the other divers in your team. I've loved it. You've got to go lock it and redemption to boot. Thing is, mm. not all positivity. No. Axis really didn't get anything done with the pick in the early game, which is... The one part where I'm a bit hesitant, where conceptually could have gone quite wrong, but overall they ended up playing it pretty well and it ended up working after the 20 minute mark. The thing is, when you play these smite top strategies, you kind of put yourself on a timer and say, okay, in the early game, we need to be proactive because we want to be putting as many resources into our bottom lane. They had the jinx, made a lot of sense. Ah, Berlin internet and Imera is a... Yeah, he's been Berlin interneted. Give, give him a second. He'll return okay. when he can. We'll, we'll, we'll keep chatting well, while we he's doing that. So I'm we we can chat about this game and see whether Al wants to put it, add in a little bit more. But we'll start with this game. And like at this point, I also want to call out that um, two of the new members here as well, Swamp and Sangchu, the other names we oh, yes. very little about, had fantastic games. Swamp on that Jin's out was really, really good. Sangchu went 607. Megamine as well, this guy who was had his moments but was pretty inconsistent i think it's fair to say matched up pretty well into dash who is arguably up best there is one of our region is what they expect best, you know, like, well, the one of our best right? yeah exactly up there is potentially the best mid leader in the region he really is that good he's been very good for a long time very versatile player and megamin on the vex you work really well it was a good team identity as well as we said like a lot of divers to back up this jinx who's going to be so safe because there's so many people who can play frontline in front of her with all, all the various bits of cc and what they've got and they really stepped up and delivered in fact sanctu's other game we're not going to talk about where he got the zeri and ran rampant on it yeah. showed that actually this axis team is another one of those like somehow some way they've managed to pull together a roster out of nowhere that looks at least off week one pretty damn competitive and 
I'm going to put a bit of a wild take out there and say, if they can keep this tempo up for at least two more weeks, these rookies will have enough confidence that they're going to play pretty much like veterans throughout the split. It's triple round robin, it's going to be very long, and just from what they've shown at the start, Access is another one of those ones I'm putting up there of the Rascal Jester DFM for really high-concept gaming teams so far. Obviously, we've seen two games, it's all rookies with the exception of Megumin, so, you know, this is all bit of pinch of salt on it. But overall, super impressive performance to start off the split, and does make me think maybe we're going to see an actual runback of that summer 2021 Axis Miracle run. you, you got to hope, and I, I think I love that concept you call out. He's back! Oh, oh, oh. Discord has absolutely hmm. just... Its guts are on the floor. It has evacuated its bowels. It is in an awful state. If you could change your audio through to the video thing. Ah, I see. Say. We're going to change it because Discord okay. is there for you. Healthy, we can do that. Because currently I'm seeing okay. great body language. And lots of nodding. Right, I'll go mute myself on Discord. I assume that you're talking about LGL things. All right. It's very intriguing. I can't hear like, any of it. Consider so this a, mid, a minor technical intermission. Am I audible as well? You are Melvin Nuzzle. Now, this is throwing a curveball to Ibram because our lovely producer in the background wasn't capturing any of the audio from this. I have no idea if he's currently doing that. So this is completely derailing everything. We'll find out. Can yeah. you hear us in chat? Discord, uh, can you hear it? Not Discord, um, Twitch, can you hear us? At some point. Uh, so, can yeah, we will hope that this is... You can't. Thank you, Chimo in chat. You can oh, hear us. Good. Okay, well, in that case, is the best. We love If you could give me quick footnotes of what's happened in, like, the last two minutes. Just okay. gushing okay. about so, 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 so to fill you in as, as, right. um, as, as your play-by-play and brother, what we've basically mm. said is that Axis are, in fact, the next coming of Exodia, this is just like and a we should all worship thing. the ground they're walking on. Uh, no. Um, what we've actually basically said is, like, actually, there's a team of rookies, including Swamp and Sangchu, kind of come right. in and really stepped up in their first two games. Sangchu, 6-0-7 on that first jinx, went wild on the Zeri, 9-1-6. and six. Great stuff from him. And it's also been some good, as Melvin has put it, um, high-concept drafts, where they've actually run some, like, unusual drafts but that make a lot of cohesive sense in terms of how they yeah. want to play. Um, and I think, uh, so, God, I feel like I reuse this, reuse this point all the time, um, but there are two sides to this. One is I definitely prefer cohesion over star power as long as, like, it's within a reasonable margin, like, 90% of the time, ever since, like, I don't know, maybe, like, Season 9 was the last... No, even mm. Season 9 was, like, where things really started to... Ch Hell, it's been like this for a while, actually, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. There are very few teams where you can play a diff that hard that you end up just like winning de facto. Most of the time outside of that, understanding the way that you play your team composition is just much better. This is also one of my ways that I um, kind of rationalize one trick ponies a lot of times or, or mains or blah, 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 because you understand how you're playing better than the enemy understands how you're gonna play. Uh, so, and, and of course, like this needs to be a little bit more than just one champion niche because at that point, your draft is very liable at that point and you can't suffer by like taking all of your other champions out. But this is why actually something like LS, even if he's not, actually got the correct take on the meta all the time and there are flaws with it because he's actually put the effort in to learn another facet of the meta which you just haven't you can't play against it he's playing a very stiff different style of game so yeah. for a team like axes who knew that they were going to be failing in individual margins a lot of the time i love the way they've come to this split is it going to last until week four or five almost certainly not but this could be the kind of early week um rush that could get them into a very powerful spot now this has hamstrung them before i'm thinking back to spring 21 where they started with the best start that the org has ever had which because yeah. the in so for, for, for um 
for context, in 20, so before 2020, Axes in the triple round robin had always finished three and 18. They, they only got three. That they were they were always last place. Truly bad or, or truly bad results. I mean, I'd say not bad or because that's whatever. That, that's too many connotations. But they just hadn't found any success. Um, but for this team to start to start like three and zero or something was crazy for them. Huge. But then it fell off, and they didn't get into playoffs, and they were a last place team, and it sucked. It really took until last year for us to see Axes be a contending team. Um, I'm just really hoping that this is going to be more of a last year summer rather than last year spring. Because if they don't get enough wins to see them through to playoffs with this amount of games, it's going to be rough. So keep up the early momentum. This is going to be quite important for them to get a winning margin against teams like CJ that are also struggling that might turn on later into the split and, and a number of other teams. My, my eyes are on yellow Yoshi personally because he's thrown a really cool obviously he got his one trick with the smite in a meta which kind of supports poppy's actually quite good smite top is pretty viable that's a kind of like good combination and he had an interesting kind of ergot counter pick i need to see what else he's got in the tank considering mm. what we know of this player so give me three more weeks two more weeks two and chance. let me see two more weeks considering how many games are playing I'm of this guy. yeah I feel a lot happier. Yeah, as long as it fits into their playstyle, um, particularly yeah. if it allows them to play the same style of game as well. So this is it feels like um, Yelioshi is doing a bit of a Ebby at Worlds kind of thing, where he's found his niche champions and he's like, "This is it. This is what I'm playing. This is what the team's playing around. This now, is what they need me to play." Yeah. And in fairness, I mean, it, it, you look at Ebby at Worlds, and yes, it did constrain their drafts a fair bit. He did damn well on them. Um, so actually, yeah, he kind of he he made the niche pool work because the team knew how to work around it. Um, so yeah, Axes, I have been quite impressed by them. I think that particularly Megamin stepped up more than I thought this player would, because I thought that for the longest time he was propped up by Renekton and Lee Sin Mid playing Iron Spike Wick champions, which meant you didn't actually have to worry about lane control at all. And he's done a lot better than that. So actually credit to Megamin. Um, I'll, I'll take the L on that one and say, actually, yeah, they've done, done pretty well on that front. Um, do we want to talk about anything from the Hawks side of it and how they responded to this draft or has that already been covered? Um, the draft's kind of been. I hit on a think because we've got the time here briefly. Yeah, like like they got out drafted. I think it's fair to say, even though they did get a failure as Corky J four was considered pretty high priority. And it's also J four into hanging around the meta. Jin Poppy. Yeah, like it like it it, it wasn't a great mm. look, and it was also one of those moments went, oh dear, this team's going to take a while. Yeah. Connect. Um, fortunately enough. Um, it worked out all right. Um, as I appeared with Frozen, you're good, you're fine. Great. You're oh, back. You are moving you're live. Good. That's good to know. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's that's lovely. We take that. But I actually think that, like, while that was a bad first game, um, the second game, even though they lost against Rascal Jesters, looked a lot more cohesive. They were actually proactive mm. in the early game, which is what we were really lamenting in their first game. And they played some decent team fights as well. Dash had a really solid Ariana game. Marble played some, made some major outplays on the Athelios. And like, I have hope for this team yet, even if they are 0-2. The second game was a significant game. So, yeah. um, I think we've kind of talked about this game a fair amount at this point. I think we've, we've done a lot of groundwork on that. So, um, at that point, let's dump these two teams and talk about two of our... Oh, Sam's actually just died, hasn't he? He's just disconnected. That's Berlin internet. Because, I get to go uh, with each of the hosts. I'm on one. There we go. There we go. Cool. Right. So, <laughs> so, I mean, Sam's on. Sam's on the same Wi-Fi box that I am. So, I mean, it's going to happen at some point. Uh, God damn. I. I am. Cool. 
literally turn out all the lights, yep. you know, it went completely dark. It's just how it is, you know. Uh, people, the, the enemies had figured out where so, I was streaming. Actually, from, really fun. Like, so, a um, bit of an aside, but uh, so I have a couple of Filipino friends who really liked Zeri's like character intros and stuff like that because in the okay. Philippines they have like rolling blackouts all the time. So, in terms of just like, oh, not again, power goes out and comes back on, it's just like, yeah, that's just the Philippines. That's just, it's just a thing. That was just a quick aside. Anyway, yeah. Well, you know, character design part of it okay cool going on to the next match which i really want to dive, dive deep into because it was actually actually this is largely in regards to zeri as well thinking about it so i didn't hmm. plan that at all Inadvertent but transition focus me versus sangoku is the game which i want to dive into because this was inadvertent transition that's the one because uh, sangoku are almost certainly going to be one of our top teams i think at this point uh i think that they have a lot of those core pieces they've shown some good play what I love about this game is DFM's team fighting instincts actually looked really on point. It wasn't the cleanest game, but if you want to see a game where um, a team allows a team to get Zeri and then deals with the Zeri, this is really cool to see. There were mm -hmm. several points in this game where they would pop the Zeri ult by kind of flirting with the fight, drop the Victor combo on them, they have to back off and their stacks fall off of overcharge they don't get any of that move speed and then they can't fight afterwards they re-engage with the camille um i was very impressed by dfm in this game but i don't know what your takes on it are so do you, do you think that's do you think there's anything else from this game you thought was interesting or or um or that we should highlight i want to attack the how dfm handled zeri angle from the draft um, because it was pretty damn cool how they went mm. about it Obviously, Zeri first picked by Sengoku. They were on the blue side. It's one of those super high prior champions. DFM answered with the Karma Poppy, and that Poppy really did a lot in this game because it bought so much space. And admittedly, Sengoku did the cardinal sin of running it down and picking non-stop dashes into a Poppy with the Lee Sin, the Graves, yes. and for me, most importantly, the Yumi, who is notoriously not able to play okay. against Poppy because if you get them on oh, top yeah, of the yeah, target. Yeah then you can't jump off of them and you're just dead. That means it's basically like a mini Mordekaiser ult where just for those couple seconds, you have got NT trapped yeah. on this Yumi pick. So between that, the, the Camille does a very similar thing yeah. with keeping the Zeri locked down. Like you said there, the Victor mm. and the Varus respectively poking down the Zeri and just completely chunking them out before the fights, not letting them keep up those overcharge stacks. I think that DFM knew they were going to play against the Zeri and they were ready for it. Oh, his first pick. I think the Zeri was ended up being first pick. Um, oh, yeah. And there was, I, I have to say, I, I, um, Sangoku were halfway to a really, really good draft. And I'll tell you why when I actually figure out which one of these was the pick and ban order. So I'm actually making sure that I'm not talking mad shit, which I, I sometimes do. So it's the first pick, Zeri. Yeah. So no, I, I have it now. Fine, so so it was a it was the first pick, Zeri, and the response Wait. was Poppy Karma. Now at that point. You pretty much know that bot lane is going to be like, like heavy pressure because we don't see that much solo lane karma anymore. So you know it's going to be karma Ezreal, karma Varus, karma mm -hmm. Senna, something which is just really oppressive long range level one, level two spiking. Mm -hmm. So you see that poppy yeah. and you're like, oh my god, it's going to be another smite poppy top. Do not, do not do that, please. Thank you. So then they lock in the Lee Sin Graves, and I like the Graves if you know that it's going to be a poppy top. They don't actually know this at this point. They assume and they get punished for it. But whereas we saw the Akali in that first game mm. um, being locked in, kind of just say, we know it's top lane. 
Akali has zero tower taking potential. She is like one of the probably the worst top laner. At, is there a worst top laner at taking towers? She um, feels like the worst top laner at taking towers. You have hmm. you have no Ooh, wave clear. At least no early. We've got AP push. and stuff. Yeah, bad, sure. Especially very early on. You. I said Akali. Akali, I did say Akali. maybe. No, Akali. She, no, 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 no. Akali. So it's a car. But what Akali is the worst top laner at taking towers. Yeah, which means that if you um. If you lock that in early, Poppy Top just like roams out of the lane. Oh, that's a good point. But she's uh, at least ranged. Yeah. Boo. Okay, but, okay. So Akali is really top. bad at pushing towers. So if you top, put, yeah. pick the Poppy and the Smite roaming into that, you avoid a bad lane where Akali can actually solo kill you. Um, because Poppy is not good in lane versus that champion, even with the W. Uh, and you um, you can just ro roam away from it and snowball the rest of the map. You don't really lose anything for it. So if you put the Graves in, hyper push, you can build Holebreaker first. You don't get to play the smite poppy top. So like, sweet, good job, good draft. We've denied the smite poppy top. And you're like, wait, what happens if they just flex the poppy jungle because you just locked in Elise in as well? Uh, so they kind of fell on their own sword after briefly having a moment of, woo, this is great. Uh, especially because then they gave up hyper pressure bot, losing jungle matchup. And then they had like a, a okay matchup in top. They achieved almost nothing with it, but I appreciate the first instinct from Sengoku. It's kind of like, they're on like step one or two, step two out of how to deal with random spike tops, but they hadn't found out. I mean, DFM so far ahead of them. I don't know if you have any takes on that. Hmm. I, I can, yes. if you can hear me, because I'm aware my picture's frozen again, so I'm hoping I'm audible. Oh, wonderful. Can I, I, I think the thing, I actually, I, I, I think I agree with you there. I also feel that considering DFM were basically saying, actually, we've got flexes here. Mm. Plus, we feel like we've got answers into Zeri because I think it's probably... We, you've had this conversation with me and on air and various other places. Like There are two kind of ways to make Zeri's life. One is smash her in lane so she's behind the curve. And she and she, and she, just, she just doesn't do that much damage at that point from behind. She, she kind of hits them very middling and when you basically run poke varus who was already i would have nightmare, I, I have to say i would have preferred Karma Senna. For shove. i think Senna like, is much actually... better Senna was the especially because it's 12 2. uh we'll get on to 12 3 later because we'll we'll have a bit of a chat about this because these are on 12 2. but Senna karma early on is really good into zeri and is easier in late game because your varusol isn't going to miss every time because she's so fast and has a dash and a cleanse um Maybe I agree, but I that think does. Varus has a bit more that does pressure in lane. From further, I also think that Chains of Corruption is... Chains of Corruption is... Oh, I, mean, I think also you That's true. Yeah, he's good. Like the guy is a, is a homing laser with that champ. Uh, and he gets to go lethality is kind of one of the only, a, like, AD threats in the team. But like, yes, there's the Camille, but uh, you've got to be aware of, like, the Victor and the Karma. Like, you... Not people aren't going to be just stacking, stacking armor necessarily, aside for the fact that Jet did that because he's tank rise. But actually, you can get that quite difficult, all of that kind of jazz. And so you kind of go, okay, we've got lane shove in bot lane, plus every single champion can either help us run away or lock you down between Victor and Poppy and Camille who can press R and the chains of corruption from Varus and the fact you can poke it from miles away. Zeri is outranged and gets locked down when she tries to play her Zeri thing. So she doesn't get to have a very easy game. And bluntly, DFM outrange or outzone control the entire comp here from Sengoku, which is pretty rough. Yeah, Melvin, has got, got any, really any other wisdom to share on this particular draft or the way it played out? Um, as for the way it played out, it was a bit scrappier than I would have liked from DFM's side. I think that overall, they definitely mm. had the comp that could have just sat back and waited, but they took a couple more fights than were necessary. But at the end of the day, it's early split. 
it's a team that should be confident that they're going to be mm. heading up for those top two kind of spots by the end of it. So I don't mind them going for a bit more limit testing, especially getting Yaharong properly implemented into the team and even in Harp in the bottom lane, just trying to make sure that they push that advantage, keeping this Zeri mm. down, trading summoners a lot. Very good. For oh, just they, they did the hard trade the level one thing this game as mm -hmm. well, actually. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, I, I would have actually said actually this yeah. this was the lesser of the two games about the limit testing. I thought game one was hella scrappy when they played oh, against yeah, the for Jester. Sure. Yeah, I think this game because like... remember it was like I think because like Sengoku got their second kill when DFM were pushing the Nexus. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. that's kind of what I was talking about. Like, I, I somewhat agree with you. Callum, it's just it didn't show in the kills, but I get I would it, say yeah. it's in the later stages of this game because I actually thought DFM played this game significantly cleaner than the first game. Well, the first game was still pretty good. It was just scrappier. This game looked, looked really, really clean until Evi kind of like went to zone people off by holding the hook shot and then got yeah. locked down and couldn't get out and then got blown up and then they retreated and then had to kind of outplay around the Elder Dragon in a scenario and they did so because they're still a good team but the mistake was like we really shouldn't have entered in that um in the base because we nearly gave up elba dragon versus this team that could have made our lives absolute hell and we're lucky yeah, we what i will say there was there we're were a lucky, but really, had to really interesting fights that i i loved how dfm played them i think it was around i think it was after a dragon fight and it was kind of like dfm back off head back over towards uh, um over towards baron they they go forward, they pick off the Graves first, and they fight front to back. Zeri pops ult. They put the gravity field to Zerner off just a little bit. They back off. Zeri's ult falls off. Camille goes back into the Raptor pit and pounces over the wall when Zagok are like, well, we either have to push mid or we have to go towards Baron. They clear out a ward, and then they get Hextech Ultimatum onto the Zeri, and Zeri's like, wait, I don't have ult. I can't even run fast in this little octagon um, of doom, and gets absolutely MMA'd to death by everyone on the side of um, DFM. I do really like how they played out philosophically the fights against Zeri. It felt like it almost didn't matter what champs they had as long as they had like an ability to... I mean, the, the Victor could have been played with any other engage. Uh, but if you have the Victor just be like, plop, get out of here, Zeri, reset the fight and go back in. It felt like that was a really good answer to it. Um, and that's the mm. kind of game where I'm like, hey, maybe this is just a play style way of beating Zeri rather than having to draft in a certain way. I do think Zeri is incredibly strong. Also feels like Zeri is one of these champions, but unless she's in a good scenario, she, if she's in a good scenario, she ruins the entire game and you can't play against her. If she's not in the best scenario, actually quite yeah. struggles because um, her breakpoints are not easy to judge. It's a lot of damage calculations, which people haven't really managed to get to yet. I don't, uh, yeah. I, think I, I don't think we've seen the limits of the champion, but... Yeah, I think it's probably going to be like R5. Like, she's going to be a Samira S champion where if you look at an enemy team and go, oh, they have no point and click yeah. CC, they lack zone. Oh, exactly control. that. It's she exactly will just 1v5 Samira, yeah. the game. Like, that's exactly where she is going to live for me after the next patch, at least. Yeah. Or... Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll throw this one out that, like, I can still see an early rotation, Zeri, if you're saying, look, I want to force you into answering this champion because that's the deal. You have to answer in draft to the Zeri or she gets a free reign and she's a nightmare. But you can answer in draft. But the thing is, if you do that, you say, okay, I know what you have to go to to counter Zeri, but we're going to draft these other things around it to make the fact that you've drafted the Zeri like a nightmare because now we can play these other champions that make what you've done even more difficult because you can kind of like mm. next level, the next level, which is a potential option as well. Because if you're saying, look, I'm putting this down to say you have to counter Zeri, but you know that's going to punish you 
or we can punish you elsewhere in draft as like that's definitely okay. an option as well, well i think with that i mean i i did think that paz had a really good game thinking about it just bring it bring it back to i think bring it back to the nameplates um almost everyone on dfm had a great game uh yohorong's victor was actually pretty <clears throat> pretty scary as well played it well in team fires ebby's camille we don't yeah. see ebby's camille a lot actually even when it has been very high priority it's not been his most favorite. He'd prefer to play the Gnar or the Renekton or something. Actually, thinking about the last time Camille was super meta in 2020, 2021 as well, he was mainly the Renekton side of that matchup, and he'd just win the matchup. Yeah. Uh, he'd allow other people to ego pick the Camille into it, and he'd be like, lol. And destroy it. And he'd yeah. play like stuff like Nara and win the matchup. It's like, cool. So what? Unless you're Kanatsu. Kanatsu was like the real player. That could yeah, kind of I think the fact he can build a Hullbreaker and play it a bit more brutally probably appeals to him. Oh, actually. that's another thing. I, okay, I, I was wondering about where I was going to go with this, because I remember thinking about Hullbreaker later on. Okay, no, let's, go let's, go on this other topic. Yeah, let's, let's go on to this other topic, because um, right. I'm going to use this as a segue, because there was a really good point in this game where the Graves... Uh, so Paz builds Hullbreaker, and he's like, right, 1v1 me, Ebby, and he just pushes Taz. Just push that as well, game. And the LGL has loved Hullbreaker first. Ooh, uh, now we've yeah. seen it a little bit in a couple of URLs. In... LCK's done it now. LCK's done it quite a lot. LPL is doing it sparingly. Uh, but the Hullbreaker is like coming out to play. It's really, really good. Because um, if you're not a high damage champion with good wave clear in top lane, a counter wave turns up and like you don't really get to play the game and stuff. So. Um, yeah, that gets a little crazy. But what we saw in this game was when it got to late game, when the like DFM had taken Baron and Sangoku were like, right, let's go do weird stuff and just try and contest the push and stuff like that. Ebby had the Hullbreaker, stood alone with the cannon, buffed up the cannon with the Baron buff on it. And the, so suddenly Sangoku were like, wait, we, we can't kill the cannon. We can't push. It was like Gant Banner of Command. It's like mini Banner of yeah. Command. So, um, Let's go on to the larger topic of Hullbreaker in the LJL because it turned up on both top laners in this game. Uh, yeah, initialize. Let's start with you. I want to put you on the spot, Sam. Sure. How are you feeling about Trendemere Nation with Hullbreaker and everything else building Hullbreaker? Because going against Hullbreaker without a Hullbreaker feels really painful. So I think there's, yeah, I mean, there's basically there are two things here. One, Hullbreaker is very strong. And two, the LJL's top laners, historically at least, haven't been the cleanest split pushers outside of maybe the top two or three players in, in the role. Ebby's been a good split pusher. Uh, and then Cog Cog and Ray Farkey have had their moments as well. And maybe you can shout out to me. Because the other ones have been either newer or just not their style at all. Um, and, and it really showed in the way teams played 1-4 because you kind of had to play Nar or Renekton because none of the other champions they knew how to split push on. So and you no one really could play Fiora or Aurelia top yeah. lane, apparently. So, so we, we didn't have those. We had Dasha briefly that played yeah. Aurelia in spring 2020. And then that team yeah. sucked so bad, he moved back to mid lane. <laughs> and the thing with And it was a lot better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the thing with Hullbreaker is it actually makes split pushing a lot more um, good. Or rather, overextending a little bit as a split pusher. Yes, probably the best. You, you can make it kind. Of, it's it's a little bit more forgiving because people gang up on you. Your additional stats that come from having people gang up on you give you a lot more room to um, outplay than you did before, and I think that's really really helped. And also, when we are seeing, particularly in the LJL, people really favouring the trends in there, it's a way of kind of at least for the first couple items, stalling the trends in there. Or, or the Camille or some of the other champions, because it basically says, okay, until you're at three items, I can at least clear waves and match you 
without getting run over in the sideline and getting outscaled. I think that's probably most prevalent for me. In this game, actually, then that game we took at the Sengoku DFM uh, one where... Um, I would have said it would be the V3... Sorry. Um, no, no, the, 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 the no, no, no. It would have been the Rascal Justice Hawks game. Sorry, I that's know, the one I'm talking about. Thank you. Yeah, it, it was Graves versus Trindamir, Trindamir yeah, both yeah. building Holdbreaker. Yeah. I that's know on the one. Trindamir yeah. eventually running Graves down. That's, the, that's exactly it. Thank you for recovering. Because, of course, that was um, replacement top laner for Rascal Justice beating the old top laner, right? Yeah. I know Kinatsu. And it hit this point where I've got Holdbreaker and Immortal Shieldbow, and I can match the Trindamir until he gets another item. And suddenly I know is you can't touch him. But it also allows for a kind of you get to play into mid-game without the Trindamere getting out of hand, which I think is potentially pretty powerful. If you can get the dragon stacking happening in your favor, or the object, or you know, the other four get to like the your Aphelius and Oriana in that case, in that game, get to scale up without having this death sentence being a lot more immediate. And I think there's some power in that as well, but it is only a stalling option. I think the for me. I have a pet theory of why this has started happening, and it okay. all comes back to Janna top lane. So, I wish I had the actual printed off pictures. I could have the, had the, them on the, the wall. The dominoes, they just keep... Have, just have keep you got, like, falling. a map with, like, cork boards and straight uh, all over? You know, the has come from. Next started next here. <laughs> so, I think that's because Janna top lane, right? She goes up there, and then she doesn't go up there. She leaves. That's it. So, yeah. top lane... Laners were thinking, damn, I'm playing my Tom Kenches, my Malphites, these kind of tanks, all this kind of stuff. I really need to be able to kill this tower. First I am Holebreaker. Okay, people do that. Then it's not against Janna, or the Janna comes back and defends the tower and she can't do anything. So these players are like, actually, Holebreaker worked pretty well. Maybe I'll try against a real top laner who shows up. They Imagine build if it. I had a real it's item. Something like a Darius, let's say. Somebody's meant to smack him in lane. You buy the Holebreaker, you can't lose yeah. tower because you just exist. It's like, well, damn, this is I'm actually kind of I'm fairly sure that Rafe Harky built first item Holebreaker on the Darius, yeah. too. <laughs> mm, there you go. And that was the next evolution of it, though. Then the Darius is like, all right, if this person can build Holebreaker and not lane against me, if I build Holebreaker, they have to lane against me. And that's if the five that. that's how it works. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's how it. the Holebreaker has this, spread it, across the entire region, and it won't stop. This it is why we have you now. here. This is why we have you here. You have yeah. such a gigantic brain we knew we knew that he had like a mastery of all things wall related you look at that background you tell me he doesn't have any like but he's actually just just like on the other side of that it is actually just a cork board with yeah, all of like, these like, like, theories. That's you, it. you imagine you imagine the kool-aid guy coming through the wall is just trendomir with hole breaker going oh yeah there is something to and especially considering a lot of these top players do do you want to play aggro early on a lane draw up junglers like nobody's business oh, yeah. you draw up mid laners and support rooms like nobody's business hull breaker gives you even more room to outplay i will also play. say that's a so deal. following on from something which kazi said in it would have been one of the weeks when nemo just pops off on thrash it might have been one of mm. it might have been the cga it was cga access quarterfinals last whenever it was where they pit they allow nemo to have thrash and he just like bodies them because they dive into him he's like look you can't allow, you can't, it's easier to play um, like full engaged composition. Oh no, or rather like in the LGL, because you're working with so many multi-language teams, every team is a multi-language team, unless you are DFM where everyone speaks good enough Japanese anyway, um, or in this case V3, because they're all Japanese players. Um, your communication gets a little bit, so your engagers also get a little bit crazy, right? Um, so you can't allow uh, 
teams to have champions which play entirely into punishing scuffed engagers like a thrash um, and stuff like that because the communication it isn't at the level of certain other regions. Now, I think that applies to Hullbreaker too. I think you can shut down split pushes pretty well in this current meta. There are plenty of picks which allow you to do it, um, but you need to have the right rotations the right way to do to, to kind of pull it off, right? You need to really put them to the sword. In the LJL, because the communication isn't always there, I wonder if that's another side factor of why this has come in too, because the rotations aren't quite clean enough. They're not quite there in time, which allows the individual with the agency, which is the person who's built the bloody hole breaker, mm. to pop off a bit more and work around the edges of that. Anyway, it's just been really easy, uh, really, really fun, uh, like easy content to just be like, wow, Smite Poppy Top and Hellbreaker Trender and stuff like this. But it's actually quite an interesting in-depth topic. And um, particularly for our more veteran players like Ebby and Paz and a couple of others, this is starting to be a quite scary return to form from them too. Oh yeah. Plus, like honestly, you empower someone like Ray Farky with yes. a hole breaker meta. You empower someone like Ebby with a hole breaker meta. Like that is going to be dangerous. And you kind of saw it actually for DFM's first, you know, first game in particular. It's like, okay, here's a Trintamir for this guy. Let's go. And like, you know, you, you run over it from there. Like that is that is a pretty good space to be in, especially considering I think Melvin has all hit it on the head that we have had the, like it does feel like a kind of response to the smite meta in the sense that much like a lot of other champions and items, Holebreak has been buffed pretty regularly since it's yeah. been released. I feel like it's received a lot of buffs. And I think people have now finally been tuned over to the point where people have gone, Oh yeah, this item's actually quite good. Okay, so in the background right then i was quickly running the numbers because i saw that as a base item it's already gold efficient because it's 2800 gold and i mm -hmm. think this might be similar to what happened when everfrost got buffed in the mid lane and knocked down to 2800 yeah. the majors started doing it hullbreaker has always been this price in recent time at least and without it reminds me of Arden sensor buy, actually you're efficient it reminds exactly. me of Arden sensor. with it i'm just gonna double check this right now as i press enter on the keyboard it's something like one and a half times gold efficient when you actually have the boarding party passive active. And that's not including the bonus to the minion yep. that you're buffing. So it's just raw stats. The actual minion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, like, yeah, I mean, like, honestly, as well, like, it, like I've just pulled up the patch notes as well. Like, it got added in 11.13. It got buffed in 11.15, where the boarding party bonus got increased both your own resistances by about 15 at massive le max level and to the minions by about another, what is it, 35, 50, hang on, uh, 45 resistances up from like 135 to 180 at max level. And you got an extra, and then also in 1.17, you literally got an extra 100 health. It went from 300 to 400 extra health. Like it has received some pretty serious buffs to the the utility of this item over its lifetime. Like I, this it, item got buffed. It really <laughs> is the new iteration of Banner Command thinking about it. I mean, the other sense of thing is more of like how People didn't realize it was OP until it was overbuffed. Vladimir mm -hmm. was a similar thing in season five, six. And then once it got sure. nerfed so many times, people still knew how to play it and how to play it in the team fight. So they got used to it at that point. So they kept doing it. Holbreak is probably going to be around for a while now if we've seen the history of that. Um, so let's cap off that topic there. I think there's a lot of follow-on effects we can do. I think there's so many minutiae, which works for our veteran players. And then basically it's kind of like we saw a similar thing very recently with top lane is taking ignite too where it's just like if you don't take the ignite you just lose lane you have to take it in response to change the way the game's played um unless you have a very concerted way to shut down that that kind of game okay so we are going on to our last like major bullet point so while this is happening 
um, if you have any questions for us, because mm. we all have, we'll have some time for that today. Um, either message in chat, of course, if you're an audio listener or someone listening to this in uh, in the future or whatever, I'm I'm sorry if you're lost, but at least you get to participate by listening along now and maybe you can prepare for the next one. Um, message your questions in chat, or you can use the hashtag LGL podcast. We will check at some point when I have trust I've my got internet, we will, I've got we will do that. Mate. Or if you're part of the LGL Discord, which is linked below the stream, you can ask in the appropriate podcast question document there. I, so I think about that, that now. So let's go on to our last topic, which is a bit more of an overall thing, kind of taking a step back and looking at the region. The LGL did great last year internationally. No question about that. It was a great year for us. Very special moment for the FM fans and, and LGL fans alike. How are we feeling about the overall level of our region right now? We don't have a DFM Exodia. We have good teams. We weren't necessarily... I was... Okay. I wasn't feeling necessarily great about the LGL's level of power coming into this split, comparative to that. I feel like we might just be another minor region. What's the feeling on the LGL as a region? Give, give it to me, Malvinizel. How are you feeling two days in? Early overreactions. Let's go. I'm feeling confident, actually. Like, not cocky, but I'm actually feeling okay because I... Coming into the end of the last split, when I was looking at it from a top down, I was like, okay, while I don't think Axis could have got done what DFM did at Worlds, I think they could have had a pretty damn good showing. And now there's a couple teams here. We've got the Hawks, we've got DFM again, Rascal mm. Jester. Depending on how it goes, maybe you can throw Sengoku and Axis in there mm. if they keep consistency and get it better for Sengoku, at least by the end of the split. Maybe if I stop rooting for them, they'll, you know, go up through mm. the roof. But... <laughs> At the end of the, the day, things we must give up for them to succeed. <laughs> oh, I know. We've got to make yeah. some sacrifices. But if it gets the job done, and I think that that means we've got enough teams that we can start a mini snowball effect here where they do gradually improve together. Because the most important part for me is we do have triple round robin. And yes, because I'm going to bring it back to it again, because we have the gaps in between the game days, teams not only have the opportunity to be smarter with draft, there's also the necessity to be smarter with draft. Because mm. now... You do not get to go, oh, God, our strategy completely whiffed on Saturday, let's say. So and we're playing next, we what do we play. do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, that, it was even worse for LJ, and now that you say it, because it was all the games in one day. It was like, oh, wow, I lost game one, guess yeah, uh, three it, it games from now, my strategy is game after the other. <laughs> so, like, now you get to practice all the aspects of the game. So I think that, generally, we should be coming out at a pretty strong spot by the end of the split. Will we be at that same peak as the DFM super team? Yeah. I would say highly unlikely, but I think we could still risk being a threat to a lot of teams by the time it comes to Worlds. We could potentially put up another showing at MSI. Sure. I'm actually still quietly confident. Okay, I, I, Sam, what, what's your take? So I kind of agree with Melbourne's. I think that like the absolute pinnacle is probably slightly lower, as we said, because Aria was really phenomenal. Like, and that's it's sad to be even Gang yeah, was really phenomenal. They are, I think, fair to say, the best two players in the region that have left in a lot of ways. I mean, you could probably put up maybe Ebby up there as well. But the point is that is two of the best three players in the region, with some arguments, of course, leaving. That's always pretty sad. And that's always particularly when they were on one team but clicked so well, losing them is is rough. That said. I actually think that considering that a lot of the unknowns who have come in to replace or, or start in the LGL have largely been hits over misses, actually. I'm looking at yeah. Burning Core, I'm going Dyson, Flawless. Fujimoto as well. Fujimoto, great stuff. Like, that's good. Yuhi seems to be playing actually okay at the minute. Um, I'm looking over at people like 
V3 and going, yeah, not super bad. I mean, I need some work, but not super bad. I'm looking at Sengok and going, Jet, pretty good. Wants playing okay as well. You know, you're going around Sangchu for Axis in general, Sangchu and Swamp. That's good work for these guys. Um, and that's the kind of thing, I mean, like, like where I've gone, a lot of these players we brought in who we didn't necessarily have expectations for because we didn't know what to expect of them have actually turned up, at least in the first week, pretty okay. And that is good news, because it's one of those ones that they could come in and just be bad. Like, we've had that before. We've had that, we like a 50-50 yeah. success rate. I think it's over that this year, which is good news for the overall level, because I think, like, particularly AD carries right now, like, holy moly, oh, really? everybody seems to be playing pretty well, it feels. And like. that's when we've lost, uh, I mean, hell, remember how many people we lost in 2021? We lost Absolutely. Archer, we lost Arts. Um, now we've lost Gango as well. Ashi, this yeah. year. You told me Ashi. We've lost a hell of a lot of good ADCs, and we still got a. We might have the best ADC pool out of the minor regions. I feel it's like the very strong. I mean, the normally when I say that kind of thing, I have to because I don't really count PCS VCS. Although I kind of half count VCS it because they haven't been international for so long. But like VCS, the one role I'd be like, yeah, whatever. Is there AD carries? They their AD carries are sometimes or like. Because Artemis is really good. He was actually the second highest DPM player after Honey in terms of all <laughs> world's qualifying region players. Uh, he was just below us. But I, outside of that, I'm not always convinced with. Um, I, I, I'm not always convinced with um, VCS uh, AD carries. I think that there's support fun, but not consistent. I think that they've got some really, really good junglers, some really, really good top really laners, good one or two really good mids, and like I feel like sometimes their AD carries are like the, the, a bit of the weak spot compared to international stuff. And I look at the LGL, I'm like. Yeah, we've got that really damn power. They all stand good. up. Yeah, exactly. And actually, a lot of them are native too, and we have to argue that for a couple of the other roles. As much as like all of our roles, I think there's a Japanese player in the top two. Um, or in the case of the supports, actually, probably most of the... Well, I mean, they're all really damn good as well. Um, mm. So, yeah, okay. Uh, I'll give my quick thoughts on level of power then. Um, one thing which I thought actually in... okay. I'm going to story time them because you know, you're talking about how, oh, you can't trust CJ. Maybe Sengoku will succeed when I stop supporting them. I've seen you and young middle cut supporting your teams and how have you know, I supported both those bloody teams in 2020 and they both hurt me a lot. <laughs> Spring 2020, Sengoku came in, they won the juggernaut match and then three patches changed between that and the semi-finals. DFM adapt to the change and they just slam through the rest of the bracket. Summer 2020, the less said about CJ falling off, off, off a cliff, the better. Um, but what we did have, particularly in spring 2020, um, was we had a really solid top three. We had DFM, we had um, Sengok, and we had Rascal Jester, who were actually all really good at that point, because that was the Ninja, Art, Vivid, Rascal Jester, Cog, Cog, and Hatch, and Metro were the top side as well. Really good team, thinking back to it, actually. That is my big LGL what if. And then mm. that changed, COVID hit, Weird stuff happened. Luckily, we got V3 out of that mess too. But I feel like we haven't had like a solid top core that actually pushed each other and stayed together for a while. Now, I would be really interested in seeing how many of these teams have multi-year plans because I don't know if it will hit this year. We're doing better than I thought coming into this, but it's still not there for like MSI hopes and dreams just yet. But the question is, is this going to be something where we have these top teams staying together next year as well? If that's the case, I'm actually really happy with how the LGL is doing, as long as we don't expect results this yeah. year. Look towards yeah. next year and see if these teams stick together and push each other forwards. That's the big yeah, thing for me. 
So Overall level with up. top yeah. peak, probably a little bit down. Okay. So with that in mind, uh, we are currently on uh, 12.2. Go on to 12.3. Yeah. Let's quickly have a think about how that might affect our teams uh, because we've talked about, you know, obviously Axe is coming with some very solid ideas and stuff. Now, I'd love to see, see teams picking up Ari in 12.3. Mm. Not sure that's going to happen as much as I think she's the best mid on the patch. What are your thoughts on 12.3, Melvin Izzle? I hate to say it because I just had a mini revelation after the um, conspiracy board, but for top lane, a lot of the items actually, the bruiser items got hit in one way or another to shift them away mm. from health and towards AD and bruisery actual stats like that. Something comes up, Hullbreaker, pretty good for the efficiency even without, Hullbreak and the HP on it. <laughs> I think that Hullbreaker will continue to show its light and will actually become yeah, really scary yeah, on does. a lot of champions who could synergize with these, like Blade the Rune King, etc., getting a massive boost, just going up a flat 2% max health damage for only 100 more gold. If you're combining that with a super efficient, cheap 2,800 gold hull-breaking item, then suddenly you've got a really dirty two-item spike for split-pushing. So I think that we are only Are we going to see Hullbreaker Aurelia? Uh, we could. We genuinely could, because I think that my we big might see Hullbreaker, Hullbreaker is... Because every scales. time Blade is strong, every time Hullbreaker... Every time Blade is strong, Aurelia is strong. Like, mm -hmm. that's all yeah, I'm thinking. That's really true. And Dash is great at that, for example. Like, I'd definitely see that happening. I'll also add that, obviously, there's a, there's a couple things like because we haven't seen much of LGL, it's a little bit difficult to see how much is going to change. Because I'm not quite sure when we do switch, whether it will be next. Oh, I'm are we switching next week? Should be next week. week. Or... Should be, next Should week. be switching next week. Okay. So in that case, so the point is like, we, we haven't really had time to settle into a corky meta because we haven't had a meta yet, right? So in some ways, I feel that 12.3 will be our first look in some ways at the LGL. And let me see Corky going down is, is a big one globally. That actually, um, ironically, might help the LGL because obviously... Yeah. So I see, I see. There's a, I see. There's a question later about various regions, yeah. and Hina. That's a very nasty question. We'll get to that. Um, but the NLC had a real problem with just randomly picking Corky and just crutching on it. And we're not mm -hmm. ready to get rid of the the Corky crutches yet. We're still propped up on them just a little bit. Some of the teams are. DLGL doesn't need them. We've we haven't had Corky meta, so actually we're going to adapt to the to the the demise of Corky yeah. a lot better. Actually, in some ways, ironically. One would imagine, like, I'll add in the like, yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think if there's anything else that's kind of like popping out to me, I would be interested to see whether someone like NT picks up the Nami because obviously he's with Honey, who would absolutely pick something like Illusion. And with Nami getting some pretty big buffs, there's a world where we get some of those, especially because Caitlyn's gone down this patch. Yeah. Another lane dominant bot lane, which we saw like tear up last worlds, would be something like the Lucian, which I think would be really good fun. Uh, and you know, there's also a couple of junglers around, like you know, Lilia got a little bit of a buff. I know Steel did like that. Oh, she is maybe so that comes up. weird. She's yeah, because I mean, like the yeah. uh, like Lilting Lullaby being stronger early is a big deal for that champion. So there's a world where you might see she's that. also not very good into stuff like Victor still because he just yeah. one shots. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like. Okay, so I have a we, we talked about the bruise rising changes. The only Go other on. one, like, sorry, before you go, Melvin, the only other yeah, one yeah. I'll say is TF getting nerfed is a relatively big mm -hmm. deal for some of our mid laners because yeah. they did love that champion. Yeah, absolutely true. I think that TF just losing a lot of his early power with that nerf to his stack deck, losing a lot of the early attack speed hurts him a lot. percent drop in challenge. Not right. being able to, Nuts. that's disgusting. I hadn't heard that metric, but it makes complete sense, right? Twisted Fate wants to get prior mid on the side lane. If he can't do the first part, the second part is going to be so Cannot. much more heavily punished. <laughs> now, I'm seeing that Quinn is getting a pretty notable series of buffs on this mm -hmm. patch. 
And I know that you've been a bit of a Quinn enjoyer, my friend there, Nomira. And I want to know, I is there anybody in the yeah. LGL that is historically a yeah. Quinn player? Specifically any, you know, people that might be suited towards a Hullbreaker as well? Because I can only wait until this starts to become the thing. Uh, so no the, Quins? Okay, so I've never even thought about Hullbreaker Quinn. So the only Quinn... I remember was Urnyan on Axis 2020. Obviously, he's not in the league anymore. Yeah, okay. He beat CGA doing that in summer 2020, which was a really sad game. That was where I started to realize that Arya was really ELO held on Zoe because he'd have great games. He started, he actually didn't die that game, went to like 6 0 4 or something and fucking lost because the team would just always overextend into Quinn TF. That was Gaudiadu's Axis as well, actually. That was fun. Um, I can't think of many. Quinn I'm players. looking through all the stats here. No, Ebi hasn't played it. Ray Farky no. hasn't played it. The it one person I would have said, yeah, it. they'd be a Quinn player would have been Cog Cog because he oh, didn't think Tristan the top and the rest of it. Also, no one and really he's not played, in the league right no, now. no one really played ranged top lane as top lane either unless you're a Dasher. So, <laughs> ironically, a little might, bit, might actually do many. better into, might actually do better mid lane than a two top lane. Yeah, maybe. Get, get Dasher playing it again. Um, I will say that, I, so when I've played Quinn and I played, I mean, I played up to like high diamond level, which is not the same as pro. It's not, but it's like, I always like the matchup into Trindamir, particularly when you could, you could W max go phase rush if you, and take exhaust and just Trindamir could not do anything ever. Now, I don't know how that works into, I mean, if you go like Gale Force or Kraken Slayer into your Lord Doms, you can probably kill him through Hullbreaker thinking about it. Um, because you just got a lot of really good consistent damage at that point. I don't know if people are actually going to be practiced enough at the picks, though. So no, it's something to see maybe later on in the split. Might well, be what I, I love the pick. Shows so, I, I love the, the pick. I don't think records, I'm going to see it. I've looked through pretty much all of the long-time active members or like, or like long-time active top players in the league. None of them have Quinn in their match history across any season right now. So now we can hope this will be the time. Ebby, Ray Farky, none of them have it in there. In oh, history. actually, they've so got he, a lot of other random stuff. They don't have that. So he quickly chimed in and chat and said that Yellow Yoshi could probably pick it up. He plays a lot of stuff in solo queue. We'll wait for it. And that seems like Axis. Axis would be a good team for it. We'll it to start playing. Okay. Yeah. We could wander about the meta for a while. So, but so I think we've covered a lot of the good stuff. So with that in mind, uh, I think it's time for us to go on to the questions that we've uh, been asked. First one is, um, since I haven't been able to watch all the games in depth from Shimo, uh, is Burning Core winning with or despite Yuhi? Um, <laughs> I will start this off. <laughs> I feel like it's actually not either. It's in between. He's, he's been okay. Okay, relatively quiet. But quiet for Yuhi means that he's not like getting absolutely dumped on. Which is a somewhat of a bonus. Uh, yeah, I feel like, well, like Yuhi uh, still hasn't done anything to impress. I got baited by Yuhi at the start uh, last split when I joined the league, where he looked really good for one game, and then proceeded to do absolutely oh, negative gaming yeah. for the rest of yeah. the split. Yeah. So Desire don't get game. excited. Do not get excited. Um, I want to see him be quiet and consistent for at least three weeks. That is the timer I'm putting on Yuhi, and if he is... Quiet and consistent for three weeks. Burning Core, genuinely a, a team that we might actually have to start talking about. But I until mean, then, I'll say it in spite I'll, of. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll add this I'll add this in here. That Yuhi, one of my flaws with him was his ability to lose every lane he was in, no matter what was happening. Like, bad. Um, he's actually the third highest AD carry after a couple games in terms of his goal difference and CF difference at 15. Like, 
He's ahead of Utapon right now. Two games, and Yuhi... Uh, I mean, who, who, so DFM have played against Sengoku, against Rascal Justice, two of our top mm-hmm. teams, mm-hmm. Uh, who have the best AD yeah. carries from last season on them. Exactly. Whereas Bird and Core have played against V3 and CGA, yeah. two of our least well, impressive teams. Exactly, and, I, and I, can, I can agree with that. And that's the reason I'm not saying a huge man here. But what I will also say is that Yuhi used to be the worst AD carry in the league. Was last year, pretty hands down, I think. Um, and he would be down CS to pretty much everybody, no matter how good they were. That is a good sign, at least, that he's at least holding his own right now. Even if I do think that a lot of their win condition has largely been, uh, you know, Fujimoto being good, and then the top yeah. side of the map being very dominant. Right now. Okay, all right. Any last thoughts on that question? Nope. Okay, right. I'm G, our famous video editor who made a really good initial D reference Great. in a Zeri clip, which you should go watch on our Twitter, um, asks, uh, I will do you one better. Is Yuhi winning with or despite you or despite Yuhi? Um, what? Yuhi. What? I mean, I feel, I've, okay, let, 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 is Yuhi winning with Yuhi or despite Yuhi? I mean, so it basically, I still is, feel it boils down to the same answer. It is so. It's, 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 just... no, 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 what this is is you know that old uh, like like saying says there are two wolves two inside wolves, you that are fighting off, and the one that wins, the one that feeds. And I don't mean actually like feeding. Oh, and like, actually, I think Yuhi is not being feeding so much right now. So, um, Chat, I, I know it's Valentine's kind of... Day. I know it's the day after Valentine's Day, but there are two Yuhis inside of you. So enjoy that, yeah. however you will. <laughs> oh no. We're anyway, having a nice normal think... podcast. It was a good day. Like, it was you know, going well. Yeah, sorry, and then no, 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 I like. Don't get me wrong. You, you, you he's got some, some stylish hair there, but that, that wasn't really a consideration of mine. <laughs> anyway, point being, I think Yuhi has probably been winning with Yuhi so far. But remember, this is a this is the kind of thing where you have to keep feeding one of those wolves. So we could change but way through and start, you know, like feeling sorry for the inting Yuhi and then feed that one instead. And we end up with a, a rehash of last year. Difficult <laughs> to break old habits. Okay. Um and then we come down to the last question, which is solely pointed at me. Thank you, Hina. Um because Hina's asked questions in Imera, which is the most fun region to cast? Because I've been on a lot of random he is shows juggling. So I'm going to completely dodge the question, um, Alex. Yes. What is your what region that what region has been your favorite cast right now? I think they're all my favorite in their own different ways. Can we have a message um, quick shot and say that? I think they're my. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to message Kai, uh, boss Venosi? So you're actually you're, you're, you're saying. Uh, Do you want me to message me about the LJL? <laughs> Yeah, message yourself. Talk to yourself. I'm gonna, I'm gonna message Aria and be like, "Hey, now that the now that you're gone, the LJL's now you got to don't love anymore. this region as much um, anymore." Okay, so what I will say about uh, so let's start with the LJL. Um, I think that the LJL is the special thing about casting the LJL, and I think that everyone will agree with this on the, on the team is that when you cast to a very dedicated niche audience, you get away with so much stuff because oh, they're yeah. kind of also they're kind of along with you for the ride. You don't have to convince a lot of neutral viewers every cast. They're kind of there with you. I wouldn't have been able to do the infamous Burning Core Sengoku game if it hadn't been for how you guys in chat act, actually. Because, um, you know, I, you know the narratives, you know the in-jokes, you know what we're like. We kind of get to do that. I love that about the LGL. It feels very comfortable. It feels like home. Um, and it's also remote, and I've been doing that for so long. It's it's just very, very comfortable for me. And I know the st- I also know the story so in-depth that I get to pull out weird stuff at really cool times as well. Um, so I, I've really enjoyed the LGL for that reason. It's always going to have a special part in my heart. Sam, what are you going to say? 
It's a very eloquent politician's answer. Sidestep, but sidestepped eloquently. I'll give you that. Okay. And then with the NLC, um, so what I will say about the NLC is that because it, that we're not, so we're not, so it, for the LEC production, we're all COVID bubbled effectively. Every, so when I was with casting with Quickshot, I was only allowed to stay in a room with Quickshot, no one else. And we couldn't even be in the same like dressing room at the same time and stuff like that. It's very, very tight because they take their COVID situation very, very seriously. Absolutely understandable. It does take away from a lot of the atmosphere. You know, I'd love to be mingling with the other casters and kind of soaking up that knowledge and experience and all this other stuff and just getting to know them because they're great people, right? Um, but the thing about the NLC is that because we're all in the same bubble for, for show days and stuff, mm. we have a great atmosphere. Everyone in the NLC, is, NLC team is really lovely. We get a lot of free reign with what we do in pre-show and stuff like that because it's slightly less structured, more about us as personalities. Um, uh, so I really love the NLC and the freedom that we get and the atmosphere we have in the team. And then the LEC is just like, it's like hallowed ground, right? The LEC is like hallowed ground and being able to work with these just absolute titans of the industry and soak in what with soak in what they're doing have the top of the range production stuff have all of the well bells and whistles you want for a production um and also you know have that ability to to show yourself to the world at large because you know at the end of the day most people who have seen me casting now know nothing about everything else i've cast because they will have just seen me in lec it's really strange having that first time to debut as well so so there are reasons for me to enjoy and, and love the cast on each of these. Obviously, this last weekend casting LEC was, this is one thing which I'm going to remember for the rest of my life because of, mm. you know, all, all the special stuff for which went on, the great games and the way the way that quick shot was to, to work with as well. And of course, the weekend before that, working with Vedius and Dracos was special in its own ways uh, alongside that. I, each of them are really, really cool. And I wouldn't choose, I, I, I physically couldn't really choose either oh. of them for, for lots of the reasons. Obviously, like, I want to be on bigger and bigger stages. Um, but if it was like a viewership, if you just take viewership out of the equation and, and the community around it, like all of them have great things to, um, to kind of go towards on that. So politician answer over. That's what I've got. <laughs> Look at this with this sappy answer. Honestly, where's your hard edge? Hey, almost like I'm really takes. passionate about this? everything that I cast. It's true. You are like literally golden. Yeah. And another thing, which I will say about the LGL as well is like, uh, we get to support so many people in developing talent and also just like we... I feel like we've become a real talent factory and like, you know, there's this guy called Melvinizel who's done really good work for us. I feel like we've really had... <laughs> yeah. Here, here we was a guest on the NLC. <laughs> God damn. Okay. Yeah, I think that's... Um... Oh, well, he's not so bad. I agree. Okay. Okay. With that, I think it's probably time we started wrapping stuff up now. And I know I went on a bit of monologue there, and I, I, we, we probably should have opened it up in a more way. Yeah, that us talk. Who do you think you are? Okay. With that, that um, I, if you have any last takes on this week's games, now's the time to say it. And also, if you want to plug anything you've been doing or will be doing in the next week or or, or how long, um, initialize. What are you what are you, what are you up to in the next how long? What than uh, any of the takes? Uh, I will be doing lots of admin and doing some writing and continuing to be awesome is what i should be doing which you can follow over at my twitter which you'll find in the show notes below my face if you're watching live or at initialize if you want to listen where the l is in fact a one because someone already has just regular initialize so i have to be edgy and have numbers in my name yeah. okay and melvin Izzle, how about you you got anything you want to shout out um, for myself, not so much coming up this week, just trying to work out work-life balance kind of 
thing at the moment. Funnily enough, a nine till five in casting is a lot to juggle. So all about fun. It's been fun. Uh, got a plenty it of is. days prep. I'm on Newell tomorrow, actually. I don't know if I was meant to say that or not, but I just did whoopsie daisy. If Ooh. not, um, so you know, gonna be kicking off That's the streams cool. for that again. Very exciting. Well, we first um, met on Newell as well. It's, we did. It's... That was the first time we worked together, and it has uh, led to a beautiful casting friendship. It's been good. Yeah, yeah. And because the, the thing with something like Newell is like, you can be there and it's like, oh, I'm turning up every other week. It's kind of hard to commit to this. And then, like, because you know, you're like pseudo competing for the finals and stuff. I was like, oh shit, this guy's really good. I better take this really seriously this split so yeah i definitely got I, could, I consider melvin as part of the the driving force for me yeah we've it, 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 with something like that because it's like friendly competition like you can really drive each other forward and that was one of the things i was like i should really start taking this more seriously that's one of my enduring memories of that time that's crazy because this guy is 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 crazy he's he's very good at what he does so yeah i mean so Neil, anything else besides Neil that you've got um, got um going on in the next couple of weeks or that I am allowed to talk about, no. Um, ominous, yes. We'll watch out for the things that you can't talk about then. Exactly. Cool. So I guess that means, in that case, follow me on Twitter. It's the name underneath me if you're on video. Melvin is all lol. Because um, Melvin is all was also taken for some reason. Not I, I don't know. I feel like initialize is a cool name. On Lost Ark, someone has taken my name. So I'm now Nyan Mira instead of Nymera. <laughs> Um, and all of my names are now just. I just be gave like, my character an actual name, so all, all, all of all of my name. all of my character names are now just going to be like various. So I'm going to have Nyanmira, Nai Miaura, the error of Nyan. Oh, it gets cursed every turn. And then Nyan Nyan Miaura and Nyan Miaura. Um, so XD? I'm gonna have like, XD at the end, with an and I'll have another, and I'll have each of those with an XD at the end, just so I can cover all the classes. So there you go. Have now you got you... like? Have you got like a Wait, really don't ratty take old, don't you dare ratty take old like hot pink and black checkered jacket where you've like drilled a hole in the sleeve so you can put your thumb through it, and a studded belt with like a few of the studs missing, and my, my chemical romance blasting out. Ah, oh, okay, okay. You're I'm not very now. hip, so I, I, yeah, I was I was a ways away for a minute. I'm not like, sure that's really considered hip anymore, by the way. I'm, just, I'm just not so hip in any generation. <laughs> okay, well, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna go hip hop scotch over to uh, raiding someone because that's the end of the podcast episode. Thank that's you very much for joining me, and thank you for listening along um, in chat and elsewhere. And of course, if you're watching this from the future, thank you very much for supporting our content. Leave a like, a comment, subscribe, and everything else in terms of rating and supporting us. Follow us on Twitter. Join our Discord. All of the other stuff. And we will see you next week for another episode. Goodbye for now.